Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're going to be talking about the prosperity gospel today. I know that's a lightning rod subject. I really really want to help you a little bit with that whole paradigm of, of money and things and, and all that, that entails in the gospel. Ephesians chapter 1, this is the, the verse that we started the series with, and we're, I thought it would be appropriate today to share this. Ephesians 1 verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly realms, because why are we blessed with spiritual blessings? Because we belong to Jesus, because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So before God created everything, he picked you. Before God created anything, he loved you, he liked you, and he said, I choose you. Before he created anything, not just to be his, to belong to him, but also that you would be holy, that you would be right before his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us. He chose, he knew how jacked up you were. You know what I'm saying? If, if he went, if he went to the adoption agency and they said, well, <laughs> You know, they got the good kids over here, and we got the other kids over there, kind of dysfunctional. He knew how dysfunctional you were, and he didn't want to, he doesn't want to get out of it. He picked you. So God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. How many know the kingdom of God is not just about a place where we go when we die? It's about a family that we belong to. And so he brought us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Oh, isn't that good news? That God saw you, he liked you, he wanted you, he picked you, and he said, I want to, I want them, and I want to do it. I want to pick them. It's not my cosmic obligation. I choose you. I want you to be holy. I want you to be set apart. I want you to belong to me. I want you in my family. Then he says this, so we praise God. (laughs) Lord, that's so good that you picked me like that. We praise God for his glorious grace that he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He starts off and he says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And when we start talking about blessing, there's there's a word that kind of gets thrown into. You use the word blessing and automatically people kind of get a little suspicious. When we do our offering declarations, usually when people first start coming to the church, they're like, I don't know about all this kind of stuff. You kind of get that kind of tilted head a little bit when people first, and they're, they're like, are y'all one of those prosperity churches? You know, are you, do y'all preach the prosperity gospel? And someone asks me that when they say, do you believe the prosperity gospel or are you a prosperity preacher? What I always like to do with something like that, anything that's controversial, is I just say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by prosperity gospel? And, um, and so when you ask people that, usually they can't give you an answer. Usually they just have a preacher in their mind that they're thinking about, right? And they want to throw you into that camp. They can't give you an answer about what they mean by that. And what I've found is when you can get people's answers, usually they agree with those people that they're talking about more than they disagree. But they've chosen to emphasize the disagreements. And then so the, basically the prosperity gospel, when you get down to it, is this, is that God wants you healthy and wealthy, and it's contingent upon your faith 
your giving and your words. That's basically what the prosperity. If you can declare it, if you can say it, you can name it and claim it. If you give, if you send your money in, then you'll get blessed. And we we all had this image of this, you know, kind of kind of slick preacher with a really expensive suit on and talking in a weird voice. And we go, that's the prosperity gospel, right? We just kind of throw it in there. Um, the other thing about it is that God wants you to have a comfortable life with no trials, no struggles, no temptations. God just wants you comfortable. So when someone asks me, they say, do you believe the prosperity gospel? I'll say, what do you mean by that? And, say, and if they've quoted this statement, I would say, well, I do have a problem with some of that. And the first thing is this, is that the life that Christ has promised you is not trouble-free. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. I would say this. The gospel will get you into more trouble on the earth than it will get you out of. Right? It, you won't get in trouble with God. <laughs> he got you, you got out of trouble with God because of, because of the gospel. But the gospel, if you're really affected by the gospel, it will cause some trouble. It will, call, it will cause some difficulties in your life because, because the gospel is quite opposite, contrary to what human nature tells us to do. Uh, the other thing is this, is that it's trial-free. And we know that the book of James teaches us that, that the trials are what develop us. It's, it's the difficulties that, that cause us uh, to, to, to develop, you know. And, and so what we do in our culture is we try to protect people from being uncomfortable, right? We say, well, we don't want you to go through anything hard. And we, we treat our kids like that. We, we bandage them up, you know. We make sure we give awards everything. And then when they're like 22 and they have a job and a boss tells them something they don't like, they quit and they move on to another job, right? Why? Because they don't have any character. And character matters, but character is developed through trials, right? It's through, through hardships that we develop character. And the other, the other thing, problem that I have with, with that statement and that definition of the prosperity gospel is that blessings are works-based. And the works are this. If you pray enough, if you have enough faith, right? We make faith a work. If you have enough faith, if you say the right things, then you'll be healthy and wealthy. And I agree with that to a point. The problem is, is when you say you're sick, it's because you don't have enough faith. You're sick, it's because you haven't given enough money. You're sick or you're broke because you haven't said the right things. Now, kingdom partnership says have faith. I mean, faith is kingdom currency. But kingdom partnership also says, hey, I'm going to say the right things. I'm going to speak forth the right things. I'm going to let that well produce positive things coming out of my mouth. Not just, not just positive things, but realistic things. But I'm also have a good faith declaration. How many know that that's important? The, 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 your, your words reveal your heart, but they also lead your heart. So it's important that you're saying the right things. And it's important that you're generous and that you're a giver. So all these things can work together. The problem is, is when we emphasize that so much, more than we do the actual blessing, and we make the point of it those things. Do you see? But the big problem that I have with, with this definition and, and kind of the general definition of the prosperity gospel is that it would say this, is that you need Jesus plus something else. That Jesus, the man himself, is not enough. Listen, if Jesus isn't enough for you, then you've missed it. But the good thing is this. When you get Jesus, he brings everything you need. Jesus brings everything you need. The problem is, is when you get our eyes off Jesus and we get our eyes on the stuff. So the question is, is does God want you wealthy? 
And again, I would say, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by wealthy? Do you mean fat with blessing? Do you mean $900 sneakers and, you know, uh, $60,000 pickup trucks and $10 million houses? Is that what you mean by wealthy? Does God want you to have that? Maybe. Maybe not. Does God want you to be well taken care of? Yes. Does wealthy mean the accumulation of things? I guess it depends on your definition of wealthy. Because wealthy in the kingdom has very little to do with stuff. See, the problem isn't having things. The problem is when things have you, right? The, the, the problem comes whenever our blessing is determined by my stuff or by my money, by my possessions. Can you say you're blessed if you have nothing? Or do things determine your blessing? See, I run into victims all the time, right? And I'm like, how you doing, man? Man, I'm blessed. How are you? Oh, not as blessed as you are. You probably are. You're just not walking in it. Now, let me just say this, because there's a lot of, like, memeage, you know, in the meme world we live in, that are like, anytime that you attach a, a material thing to a blessing, that's not a, material things aren't blessings. That's actually not correct from the biblical standpoint. Look at Abraham. Abraham was known for his stuff. Abraham was incredibly rich. In fact, did you know the Old Testament is filled with people that were very, very wealthy? Very godly people that were known by their faith that were very wealthy. You read the book of Proverbs, and it associates a lot of wealth with blessing, a lot. So it's not the only indicator of blessing. Are you blessed without it? That's the question. The questions are, 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 do you consider yourself blessed without? See, prosperity of soul is saying that you are well even in the midst of lack, even in the midst of sickness. I'm still well. It's well with my soul. If I don't have anything, if I don't have a house, If the bills don't get paid this month, I'm blessed. So prosperity of soul is saying that you are well even in the midst of lack and sickness. Or is Christ a means to your end? And this is where the problem is is when people have used the gospel to get fat pockets. When people have manipulated people in order to have bigger bank accounts. That's where the problem comes in. Are you using Christ as a way to make money? And I would say there are a few, and I would say few with the less than 10 of of people that actually do that. There are some, but I would say that that ratio is very small. But what we tend to do is we hear someone say something that sounds like that, and we just throw them in this camp. Because there's, there's, there's pastors and preachers that I love that I listen to, and people label them prosperity preachers with these other people that are very materialistic and, you know, some of the abuses that are done, and they throw them in that camp. I'm like, they're not in that camp, bro. I know what this person teaches, and I know what that person teaches, and you've made another error by throwing that person into that camp. I had this moment. I'm just going to kind of share for a moment. I had a moment happen to me. It probably could have been like 18 years ago. I was preaching. I was preaching to our student ministry in El Paso, and I, I, what I was about to say next, when you're preaching, a lot of times the words are kind of coming, coming and they're, they're, they're about to come out of your mouth. And the next thing that was coming in my mouth, and I'm thinking about what I'm saying, is I, I was about to say the problem with the church is, and whenever I said the problem, the Holy Spirit interrupted me, and Jesus said, that's my bride you're talking about. 
And I was just like, ooh. And from that moment, I said, man, I'm going to guard my heart to make sure that I don't harbor bitterness towards what Jesus loves. Because Jesus loves his church. Jesus gave himself for his church, it says in Ephesians 5. And so I was like, man, oh, I better be. I just felt this firm rebuke from the Lord, and I just stopped right then. And I've made sure that I've been very careful. Because how many know that, that it's easy to label someone a goat? Right? They're not a sheep. They're a goat. And the sheep and the goats. Did you know that sheep and goats look the same from a distance? Did you know that apple trees and pear trees, you probably can't even tell the difference from 500 feet away? You have to get up close to inspect the fruit. So I say this, if I'm not in your life, if I don't know you personally, then any accusation I make could potentially be a false accusation. So I want to make sure that I don't sin in falsely accusing you. So we walk around this like self-righteous kind of kind of bitter uh, thing where we've guarded our heart. We're just like, I'm just trying to protect the body of Christ. Well, what you've done in that, and although your intentions were good, what you've done is you've developed a hardness and an arrogance about your heart, and you're no different than a Pharisee. And if you're not careful and you don't snipe it out when you're young, then what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to hear the Lord at all because you just, you've got this hard, bitter, I'm just going to make sure everybody's doing everything right. And for some reason, we're tolerable about people about issues that I would say that are, that are just as heavy as, you know, being materialistic. And we just kind of ignore those and embrace things. But as soon as somebody says something that's like, oh, Jesus died to make you rich, they're like, that person's out of the pale. Like, I can't ever receive anything from them. And really what we do, and I'm not saying that there aren't people you shouldn't listen to. There are. There are people that Josh Brown doesn't listen to. And if you are listening to them, I will have a private conversation with you about that. But listen, don't just be so hard-hearted where you feel like you're God's policeman and out there just trying to, I'm just a watchman on the wall. It's like, well, bro, why don't you get in somebody's life and get off your little social media platform where you don't really have any real influence? Why don't you sit across the table with somebody and have a conversation if you really want to help? Okay. There we go. Got way ahead of myself. So, if your faith is rocked when you don't see blessing, then you are probably believing, you're probably adding to the gospel. Does that make sense? And so, the problem is, is if, if, if my faith is moved and my bank account's low, right? Or I don't have what somebody else's has that I've been believing for. You know what I found? I found that I will keep my heart tender if I can rejoice for what I want in the life of somebody else. Like, this is such a way to keep my heart tender. And because I, I, I get envious just like you. Like I see other things. And as a pastor, sometimes I see other ministries growing. And I'm like, kind of like develop this like negative attitude. I'm like, I don't know. I don't really like it. What I found is, you know what? I can actually receive from that person or that ministry if I will just kind of bless them with my attitude. Y'all Okay. I know we're dealing with a lot of capital C church things today. First Timothy, now how do we deal? Because this is a real thing. There is a real, a, a real negative bent, a real ungodly bent to some of the quote-unquote prosperity gospel. But I, I want to help you today to not, not emphasize error so much that you're flying all the way on the other end, and now you're emphasizing another error. This is our tendency. We, we, don't, we don't find ourselves very much like in the, in the doctrinal middle where it's correct. We're like, no, it's not there, and I'm afraid that people are going to go over there, so I'm going to go way over here. It's like, well, that's wrong too, okay? So how many know that you're, a, you're, you're, you're not a hireling, you're an heir? 
And, uh, and I think that's important because if we're, if we're judging our blessing, if we're judging our success in God by our stuff, then we're acting like a hireling, a hireling, someone who's, who's getting paid for this thing. And, and we all, listen, we all come to Jesus because of something he can give us. We do. I mean, I came to Jesus because I need Jesus because my soul is bankrupt without him. Come on. So I came to him on those terms. And do I come to him when I need material things? Absolutely. But my faith is not rocked when I don't see them. All right. First Timothy chapter 6. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, Malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness, here it is, who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So there's a problem if you think, I'm going to be more godly so I can get fatter pockets. And then he says this, but godliness with contentment is gain. You want to really gain? Then be content. Now, Scripture, this is the only thing that I can find in Scripture that encourages contentment is when it regards material things. Everything else we should be really ambitious about. Come on. You should be ambitious about your faith. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Why? Because we're blessed. Because there's a lot of people that don't have food and clothing. Or they have like one shirt. We have... We have houses inside of our houses with clothes, and we don't have anything to wear, right? Let's talk about your closet, all those clothes that you don't wear, in case you miss that. (laughs) He says this, people who want to get rich, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, it doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money. Listen, how many know that money is a great servant, but a terrible master? Bill Johnson says it this way. He says, he says our dollar bills are like soldiers in our hands, like little soldiers that we're using. You can use that to advance your kingdom, or you can use it to advance God's. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So what is that saying? It's basically saying, listen, if you are so focused on money, if you're so focused on getting rich, then plan to be full of grief. Because you're going to be disappointed if you're putting your trust in things. See, God wants to break the bondage of materialism and greed. He wants to break it. It's a bondage. That whole thing about, you know, envy and like wanting what somebody else has, that's really a form of greed because it's like, I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want what you have. Right? It could be a thing. It could be a status. But also materialism, God wants to break that. But let me suggest to you this as well. God also wants to break the spirit of poverty. Now, I'm not talking, when I talk about the spirit of poverty, I'm not talking about blessed are those who are poor in spirit. 
Those that are poor in spirit are rich in God. Jesus teaches us that, that we have a disposition towards God about the kingdom and say, man, Lord, I am, here I come to you. I'm like broken and needy. There is a difference between having a spirit of poverty. A spirit of poverty says that I'm broke and I have nothing. Beloved, that is not your identity. So the opposite of what we might call the prosperity gospel would be the poverty gospel. And the poverty gospel is this, is like I'm spiritual because I don't have anything. You're spiritual because you have less stuff. Right? And I would suggest this, that the poverty gospel is just as damaging as the prosperity gospel. And then, again, the whole, like, righteous offense thing. That is just a spirit of poverty because we're like, we're like, oh, I'm so offended. I can't believe that person. It's like, and a lot of times what it is is just because we lack, and so we have a problem with anybody that has. Right? Who's going to do it on God's money? Hey, how do you even know it's God's money? There's this, like, I don't, I don't I'm just going to call it out. I don't even care. There's this, like, Instagram account that's, like, preachers and sneakers, and they're like, taking pictures of, like, all these preachers, and they're like, oh, they're wearing these shoes, and these shoes can't, can sell, can sell for up to, like, $600 or $6,000. I'm like, first of all, how do you even know that they bought that? Most of the preachers you're putting on there, they're not even guys that take salaries from their church. Most of them have great book sales, and they, they preach like a circuit. People pay them money to come and speak. They might have bought it themselves. Somebody might have bought them for, for, for them. How do you even know? You just got a critical spirit. How about that? How about that? I mean, you're, yeah, you're talking about the dude's shoes. What about your spirit of accusation? Okay. So don't have, yeah. So I'm not a fan of, of ministries that aim to expose. And from what I understand, it didn't even start out that way. It kind of started off funny. But, of course, you know, the righteous police come in and want to, well, it's just my job to defend the kingdom of God. Good, good. How about you guard your heart first? All right, poverty spirit. Um, it says this, I will obey Jesus when it works for my bank account, right? This is a poverty spirit. Well, when, every, when, everything, when everything, like, gets sorted out, whenever my bank account gets where it needs to be, whenever I get the promotion, then I'll start obeying Jesus. I just don't have the money to, to, to do what God's called me to do. Or, you know what, I, I, I know that God's called me to the mission field, but I'm, I just need to wait to pay off this, that, and the other. Now, God might call you to pay all that off before you go. And I would say that would be an honorable thing to do, especially if you have debt. That's the, that's the problem with debt, right? It's like, so if I go into debt and I have $30,000 of debt and God calls me to go to Africa, to sell everything I have and go to Africa, how am I going to do that? I have debtors that I owe money to. And it would be ungodly for me to bail out on that debt. Do you see how damaging it can be? So I don't want anything. That's a poor poverty spirit. Listen, get out of debt, beloved. Or, or this is another thing. When, I'm, when I have enough money, then I'll be generous. You know, you know one of the most generous people in the whole Bible is? It's a widow that didn't have anything. She had two mites, which is like less than a cent. She goes and she gives it, and everybody's like, she only gave two cents. And Jesus is like, she gave everything she had. She's, she was the poorest that we know of, and she was the most generous. So don't tell me you can't afford to be generous. You can afford Netflix. You can afford that grande, non-fat, hazelnut, yoga pant latte. Come on. 
All right. Or we're in debt and we complain about the person that has things they actually paid for. <laughs> you want what they have, so you go in debt to get what they got. And then you accuse them. That's a poverty spirit. Listen, don't let somebody else's possessions have more hold on you than it does them. Don't let somebody else's possessions have more of a hold on you than it does them. Because what I, I've known some people that are very wealthy, like that stuff, they don't have any problems, man. They're generous. They're just like kind of whatever about it. It doesn't really matter. I know, I've known millionaires that live in like real like meager houses, like just very basic homes. They're, just, they're, very, they're some of the most generous people I know. And money's not a big deal to them, and they have a bunch of it. Maybe part of the reason that you don't have anything is because if you get stuff, it'll have you. Or it's your stuff. It's my stuff. It's my stuff. Stuff, man. Stuff. I love my stuff. I take good care of my stuff. God's going to give me more stuff when I take care of my stuff. Okay. This is another thing that the spirit of poverty does. And I, I've seen this with well-meaning, like, super saved people, right? People that really love Jesus, super saved. People that are, like, really into Jesus, like, I mean, you know, and they go to every meeting and, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so, so they're like, <laughs> they're like, I'm just always on the lookout for blessing, right? Just always on the lookout. Just, wait, wait how's God going to bless me today? Is God going to use you to bless me? They don't say it, but that's kind of like the mindset, right? It's just like, I'm just, I'm just looking for blessing. And I would say this, you should be looking for blessing. Always keep your eye out looking for blessing, but you're not seeking blessing. Do you see? And so what happens is, is I, I've met people like that, and it's like they never, they're not getting blessed. And the problem is, is they're not seeking to be a blessing. They're just seeking to get blessed, and they're just always looking. We had this thing happen. I've shared this several times. Um, we had this thing happen. I want to say it was three or four years ago. We were leaving for summer vacation, and we all loaded up in our vehicle, and we prayed before we left like we always do. We get our kids in the van. We, we pray, turn the radio off. All right, kids, let's pray that God will protect us. You know, put a hedge of protection and angels and, you know, all the weird stuff that we do. So I said, Lord, I said, uh, I just pray that we would be a blessing everywhere we go. And I remember specifically praying that. And so we, we did. We, we have a lot of money. We still don't have a lot of money, but we could still be a blessing if we'd have a lot of money. So we just want to be encouragement to people. We want to be blessed to people. We went on this trip. You remember this, babe? We went on this trip, and we were getting, like, people were writing us, like, $500 checks for the church. People were giving us, like, personal money. Like, we were just, we were just like, whoa, what the heck? Because we were aiming to be a blessing. And God was like this. Listen, you want to be a blessing? I'll make sure that you have the resources to do that. He, listen, if we will take care of the distribution, he'll take care of the product. But some of you are like FedEx trucks driving around, right? It's like you don't have any product to give out. You're just kind of, I've got deliveries to be made. It's like, how many know that you have to receive in order to give, right? You've you got to have something in the back of the truck to be able to, so God does want to bless you so you can be a blessing. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but listen, um, this is the, the reality. You're probably already rich. If you do a, a study or you go to the, the website, the Global Rich Scale, and say you just make $2,000 a month. Say you make 24000 a year. That's pretty pretty low salary, not, not something you could raise a family on. But say you made $2,000 a month. Did you know that you are in the top 2.24% in the world? That means that you're richer than more than more than 97% of the people on the planet. 
So when you're complaining that some preacher has $600 shoes, some orphan in Haiti is complaining that you have an air conditioner. So give it a little bit of perspective here. You are probably already blessed. You live in America. You, the, the, unf- <laughs> you, can, you can live the rest of your life in America without a job and be okay. The government will pay for everything. Don't do that. That's not, how many of you know that's not a blessing? That's costing me, sucker. Get a job. <laughs> All right. Thank God it's there to help when we need it. Come on. But don't take advantage of it. You, you want to be a contributor of society, not a, not a leech. Mm. So really the gospel isn't about the poverty gospel. It's not about the prosperity gospel, although it is. It's more like the provision gospel. But see, again, the enemy will always pollute. He always get us to focus on the errors, and then so we can go way over here, in order to rob you from what God has really promised you. See, the cross, I know it's interesting that we're throwing this into this series, but the cross, listen, the cross provides some provisions. See, he didn't die on the cross for your comfort. No, no, no. We talked a lot about that last week. If you said, man, I don't know about Pastor Josh Mason. Go listen to last week. I'm balancing that out today. He did not die for your comfort. He died for your wholeness. Jesus died that you would be whole, and that means the health and wealth gospel? Yes, the health and wealth gospel, number one, health. We talked about this week two of the series, Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was, he was whipped so that we could be healed. If Jesus didn't want to heal you, he wouldn't have. He already paid for your healing. So does God want you healthy? Absolutely. He also wants you to be a good steward of your body. Number two is wealth. I could take the health thing, but no wealth, no wealth, no wealth. Money's bad, devil, bad money. The meaning of wealth is an abundance of or more than enough. An abundance of or more than enough. I would say this. This is my definition of wealthy. Wealthy is just like healthy but in regards to material and financial things. So when you hear the word wealthy, don't think hot tubs and limos, jet airplanes. When you think wealthy, you think healthy financially and materially. I handle my material things healthy. I handle my bank account in a healthy way. Come on. So when we talk about, does God want you wealthy? Yes. But does God want you to have a whatever Rolex. I don't know. Maybe he does. Are you okay with that? Are you okay if if God wants to bless somebody with something like that? You wouldn't be okay with Solomon. Yet you read from book of (laughs) Proverbs all the time. You wouldn't be okay with Abraham. You wouldn't. So does God want you wealthy? Yes, but he also wants you wise. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, for what end? This is here it is. 
Just as you excel in everything, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness in your love for us. I want you to be, I want you to excel in faith. And acknowledge, yes, yes, we want to know the Lord. We want to know about the Lord. Yeah, we want to grow in theology. Yes, you excel in everything. Yes, yes, love. Oh, yeah, man, we just need to grow in love, grow in love. Yes, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. See also that you excel in generosity. That's what generosity is. It's the grace of giving. It's not because someone deserves it. It's not because your waiter did a good job that you tipped on 25%. It doesn't speak of your waiter. It speaks of you. So when you leave your two little $2 tip on a $35 check, remember how you're acting like a poor man. And you just represented Jesus really poorly. <laughs> All the old waiters and waitresses. <laughs> Don't give it, leave my gospel track either. Hey, I'll blame you. I've got something better for you than money. It's not better than money, bro. Not right now it's not. Right now I need to pay the bills. <laughs> and you're the vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not commanding you, okay? I'm not commanding you to be generous, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. I'm not commanding you. I'm testing you <laughs> by comparing it to the eagerness or the earnestness of others. He's comparing. Comparison? Yeah. He's saying, let's see how generous you are compared to these guys. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. Here it is. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. You know what this scripture is talking about? In context right there, what is it talking about? Money. The giving of money. He's not talking about the richness of soul. The word in the Greek, right there, I'm, I'm going to help exegete the text for you. Because some people, some people want to ignore this scripture. That's a prosperity teacher scripture. Well, it's teaching about money, bro. The word in the Greek, let me help exegete the text for you, is plateo, which means to become wealthy, to increase with goods, rich. God wants you rich. But in the kingdom, we don't measure rich by how much we got in the bank. We measure rich by how much is going out of the bank to be generous to others. The whole purpose, the whole purpose of God making you rich is so you can distribute to those in need. So that you can excel in the grace of giving. See, part of us, and some of us, some of us struggle with this. I understand. You got to grow in that. It's hard. It's hard to be generous because we like we work hard. We work hard for the money, right? It's hard to be generous, but we can't be like Jesus if we're not generous. Jesus is the most generous person that ever walked the earth. God is the most generous God. When he gave us everything, he gave us Jesus. How much did he give? He gave everything. Anything that we can be generous with fails in comparison. 
This is the cool thing about being generous. I've never met a generous person who lacked the ability to be generous. And they didn't have to look for a way. It was just there. And they were happy, even if they didn't have that much. And I'm like, why? You must be you must be really good with your bank account. You must be a shrewd man. No, man, I just it's all God's. It doesn't have that much of a hold on me. See, the heart of God's prosperity is not that you will have more, but that you can give more. God doesn't bless you for accumulation, but for distribution. So true prosperity. Let me give you the true gospel. The true, well, the true prosperity gospel. Are you ready? First of all, that word prosperity in Merriam-Webster's dictionary is the condition of being successful or thriving. You already are. You're already successful. God loves you. He picked you. He chose you. You belong to God. I mean, how much more successful can you get than that? And you're thriving. I've came that you may have life and life more abundantly. You are already incredibly blessed. You are already prospering. If you're in Christ, you're, you've already won the jackpot. Number one, you have royal family status. Your royalty. See, my God, Dad, is the king of the entire universe. He's very, very wealthy, and he's very, very generous. He owns it all. And I'm his. We're not spoiled, but he does like to bless us. We're not spoiled. If it spoils us, you won't get it. But he does like to bless us. Let me just suggest this to you. Many think that Jesus only died so that we do just merely be acceptable in God's sight. Yes, but not accepted like tolerate. So Jesus didn't die so he could tolerate you. He died to embrace you. He died to bring you into the family. He died so that those that are enemies could become friends, that those who were dead could be brought to life. He died that those that were orphans could find a home. See, we're not God's grandkids. We're not his stepkids. We're not every other weekend kids. We're not his foster kids. We are full custody, bought and washed by the blood of Jesus. We are completely belonging to Jesus. We are completely belonging to God. We have, as far as status is concerned, you are just as much a son of God as Jesus was. As Jesus is. That is your status, your royalty beloved. So start acting like it. And get this, because you're his, you're his responsibility. You're his responsibility. He's really responsible. God is really responsible. I mean, he never misses. (laughs) I mean, he like returns every call. He checks every box. God is extremely responsible. I'm, I'm trying to be really responsible. Like, I just try to be, man. I try to, everything I, that I say I'm going to do, I'm going to do it, unless I just forget. And then when I forget, I'm like, oh, I'm so irresponsible. God is, like, so much more inferior responsible. And I'm his responsibility. That's good news. So God takes good care of what belongs to him. 
Number two, the second thing you expect is provisional abundance. Provisional abundance. Now, Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4 is talking about, basically, he's talking about a love offering he got from this church from doing ministry there. That's really what he's talking about. And he says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you guys back. I'm going to send this guy back with, with, a, with an offering. And he's going to come. And he says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, and my God shall supply all your needs. Woo! Yeah, God, you're going to supply. But he says this. He says, not according to, to what I'm giving you. No, 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 no. It's according to his riches and glory. So see, God doesn't provide your need according to earth's resources. God provides your need according to heaven's economy, heaven's resources. Come on, his riches, it don't get more rich than that. His glory, there's no more riches, there's no more glory than God's. And he's going to provide for you according to his riches and glory, not yours, not according to your job. Not according to your skill set. It is the provision gospel. He's going to take good care of you. Good care of you. Listen, we, we, we don't live off scraps. We could, but we don't have to. We live off the goodness of God. We live according to his riches. Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Look at this. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the man that is in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Those of you who fear him, those of those who fear him lack nothing. How much lack should you have in your life, beloved? None. No lack. The lions may grow weak and hungry. What's he saying? He's saying the ambitious, strong, eventually all that energy runs out. Oh, the lion. Oh, yeah. Love that. But eventually they grow weak and hungry. But those who trust the Lord, they lack no good thing. It's not according to your ambition. It's not according to your strength. It's according to the goodness of God. You will lack no good thing because he is a good, good father. He takes good care of his kids. He provides for us abundantly. Number three is total victory. Total victory. Victory over sin. Victory over discouragement. Victory over dysfunction. Victory over sickness. Victory over bondage. Victory over materialism. Victory over greed. Victory over envy. Victory over poverty. Victory over lack. Total, total victory. Romans 8.37, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Hyper Nikeo. Super abundant victory is ours. That's what that word means. This is the Greek. Hyper Nikeo. Nike. We get the word victory. Hyper. You know hyper. My 11-year-old, Hyper. Hyper victory, extravagant victory, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. The fourth is this, stewardship. Stewardship. In the kingdom, stewardship looks like partnership, not accumulation, distribution. Listen, this is the thing. The kingdom belongs to God, but we run it. Remember what Jesus did? 
All authority I have, I've been given, I've given to you. That's what he said. All authority I have, I've been given to you. And he gave Peter the keys. He says, these are the keys of the, kings of the, key, keys of the kingdom. Here you go. It's all yours. Take care of it, boys. See ya. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Y'all going to run, run the show. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things. You just take care of my kingdom, I'll take care of you. Put the kingdom first. Let me just say this. Because in the kingdom, you can't be a good steward without number five, which is generosity. You can't steward well without being generous. But the tighter you hold, the less you will have to hold on to. If the things in your hand begin to control you, let them go. If you're faithful in little things, Luke 16.10, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. Be faithful, faithful, faithful. If you can't manage 100 bucks a week, you're not going to manage 1,000 bucks a week very well. You know, I, I grew up kind of, you know, kind of redneck. I know you can't tell why you're laughing. We don't talk about the ghetto of the trailer parks very much, but it's a real thing. And there is a spirit of poverty. And, you know, these are the kind of people that go out. I don't know, I'm not bashing. I'm just saying that they need to be awakened. But these are the same people that go out and empty the convenience stores of their lottery tickets. And then finally, when they win the jackpot, about five years later, they're in the same trailer, same trailer park. Why? Because poverty has zero to do with money. Beloved, don't put so much hope in these things that we have. Be generous. Let go. If you're not generous, you're not stewarding well. And and listen, we talk about generosity. We talk about poverty. It's so much more than money. How generous are you with your time? I know you show up to church on Sundays. Awesome. I'm so glad you do. How much, how much time do you spend serving? How much time do you spend playing with your kids after you've been at work all day? How generous are you with your time? How, how generous with, are you with your energy? Oh, that just takes too much. That's just exhausting. I don't know. How, much, how generous are you with your energy? How, how generous are you in your giftings? I got this amazing gift. What are you? How are, are you generous with your gift? Are you teaching other people the gift that you have? How generous are you? Second Corinthians eight seven. Back to it. Excel in this gracious, this grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving. Excel in generosity. Mm-hmm.